Hello again. I'm currently on tour. I'm right in the middle of middle America. I don't know if it's exactly the middle of middle America, but I am in Ohio. And I just want to say thank you so much for everyone who has been coming out to the shows. It has been so insane because I've been performing in the middle of snowstorms. There's obviously a pandemic. I was in Buffalo when the Bills were in some huge, important football game that they won. But you know what? My people, that's you, came out in a pandemic, in a snowstorm, when the Buffalo Bills were playing, and you still packed these theaters. It's ridiculous. And you know what? My assistant told me that the people that run the venues told him that my audiences were the most polite and compliant people that have come to the venues. Everyone showed up with their vaccination cards, with masks on. It's incredible. And I was just thrilled to hear it. And I just wanted to thank everybody. And just to let everyone know that we've been doing this successfully and safely, and that it's been such a great time. That's all I wanted to say. Get your tickets at tignotaro.com and let's get on with the show, shall we? Wait, are you gay? Yeah, you know, it's okay. I know it's shocking. Yeah, I'm dabbling. You're just dipping your toe in the lake. Yeah, pond. not sold on it. Well, it's not for everyone. Mm-mm, it's really not. <laughs> This is Don't Ask Tig. I'm Tig Notaro. And hopefully you can tell by my tone of voice that I'm furious at you for continuing to ask. Joining me today is a comedian, actor, and writer that you've seen on TV programs such as <laughs> NBC's Keenan, The L Word, Sweet and Salty, your Netflix special. I mean, what don't you do? Fortune Feimster, welcome to Don't Ask Tig. Tig, I'm so happy to be here. Are you? I like that you're like, you've made it with just Keenan and the L word. Well, well, of course. (laughs) That's why you moved to Hollywood. It is, truly. My vision board is complete. What do you get recognized for more, the L word or (laughs) Keenan? I mean, considering I was on the L word for like two seconds, Uh probably Keenan. More? Do you know, I, I was doing a run of shows trying to get ready for my HBO special a few years mm-hmm. ago, and I booked a night at a comedy club in Florida. Yeah. And they had a poster up of me that said, <laughs> from Garfunkel and Oates. Oh, no. <laughs> I was on one episode of their IFC show oh. for like 10 <laughs> seconds. And so clearly the person that worked in the office... Didn't know me at all and Googled right. me and that was the first thing they grabbed and they just put it on the poster. They're like, this is a great oh credit. <laughs> I loved it. That's so funny. Yeah. Now, this is nothing against the L word or Keenan. 
No, right? not at all. And nothing no. against your own Netflix special. Those three things have put me in a position to give a lot of advice. Yeah. And, you know, you and I have something almost in common. What's that? Well, you're a former debutante, right? Yep. I was almost a debutante. What? Yes. How do you almost be one? I said, uh, no, thank you. <laughs> I tried to say no, thank you. And my mom basically, like, you know, was like, it's happening. There was no, like, wiggling out of it. Oh, yeah, no. My mother said, okay, all right. Well, I was just wanted to see. I was like, uh, look at me. Of course not. The offer not. has been extended. <laughs> yeah, my mom was always trying to, like, reclaim her glory days. Mm. And I think her debutante days were part of those glory days. Okay. So she was at that point like a poor teacher. And she was just like, I just want to relive those mm. good old days where I had not a care in the world. And did it improve her life when you put that dress on? Not at all. <laughs> As you know, that like it's such an expensive thing. I can't even say I know. Like, I truly, yeah. I was like playing my electric guitar and was like, <laughs> get out of my room. It was that kind of moment where I was like, no, it's expensive. You have to go to all these parties when you're a senior in high school and then the ball or whatever, you have to buy all this stuff too. So, what do you mean the ball or whatever? There's like a coming out. <laughs> I came out to society before I came out, came out. Sure. So there's a debutante ball. Yeah. And so that's expensive, too. You have to wear this crazy dress. And <laughs> I'd come home and, like, the couch would be gone. I'd be like, where's the couch? And she's like... You're wearing it? Don't worry about it. <laughs> Wait, that's where the money went? She was pawning stuff for me to be able to do this <laughs> stupid debutante. Don't debut worry thing. about it. <laughs> You're wearing it. <laughs> How did you not add it up when the couch is missing and you have, like, I'm assuming a sequin dress on? It was like a white wedding gown. Uh-huh. You're, like, basically buying a wedding dress. And then after you were finished, did she stuff it and put, like, four legs on it? And, uh, and then it became sure. another couch. <laughs> I'm sure she's sitting on it right now. <laughs> Did you have any etiquette lessons that stuck with you? Uh, my wife would say absolutely not. Jax is right about this, that you brought nothing along? Well, I mean, my grandmother instilled a lot of manners in me mm -hmm. when it comes to like being polite, opening mm -hmm. doors for people, saying please and thank you, you know, the handshake, which I feel like we're doing away with. These all sound very gay. Did your grandmother know you were gay? Was she like, open the door for everyone and give a firm handshake, tip your hat? I guess she was raising me to be a little man. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> she was old school, Tig. She used to play bridge and yeah. she would have me come greet everyone at her bridge club and then have me like say the Pledge of Allegiance. <gasps> Were you just like a little doll to everybody I in the house? I think so, because I look like Shirley Temple. <laughs> Still do. They're like, can you sing and tap dance? I'm like, nope, but I can say the Pledge of Allegiance. <laughs> wow. They had a lot of expectations on me to make people feel comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> With no 
no regard for how you were feeling? No, nobody cared to ask if I wanted that, you know? Why didn't you have any sort of pushback? Um, I think that's just my personality. I was just like, all right. Do you have it now? Yeah, I'm better about it now. Okay. I've learned boundaries. But still they're a challenge sometimes. Uh-huh. <laughs> Maybe I should ask you for advice. I mean, you have to understand, even though I was approached to be a, a debutante, my mother raised me to tell everyone to go to hell. Oh, gotcha. And so yeah. that's like instilled in me. So mm-hmm. if I'm uncomfortable, I don't like something, I'm like, okay, you, you can go to hell. Yeah, you're good at putting your foot down. I guess. I mean, yeah. I think there's been points in my life when I should have put my foot down more. Because mm-hmm. I was going to say, knowing you now, I feel like I can see you be like, this is crazy. This is insane. <laughs> this is not happening. Yeah. You know, I can't imagine you just marching in and doing the Pledge of Allegiance <laughs> in a gown, you know. I definitely would say no a lot more now, but mm-hmm. if it's not too hard, you're like, I, I guess I could do that. I could put high heels on. I could, Yeah, if they really want that, I guess... It just depends on where the line is, you know? Yes, yes. Now, tell me this. In the uh, pandemic, I hear you um, realized you were a a workaholic. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, I think that comes with the territory of our profession, right? Uh Uh-huh. I feel like every stand-up I know has like 10 jobs. Mm Mm-hmm. We're always like, you know, if we're not touring we're writing we're acting we're you know doing local shows podcasts it never ends mm-hmm. so yeah when everything shut down i didn't realize how much of my day was spent with this job with this career so suddenly i had nothing to do and i was like oh were you a workaholic before you got into entertainment because i know mm-hmm. you used to be a journalist right yeah I've always been this way. I played three sports, you know, at school. I was in the student government, president of my college. I mean, this isn't really a time to brag about your childhood accomplishments. (laughs) It's because I was gay and I didn't know it. And so I threw myself into extracurricular activities. Oh, my gosh. So what about this workaholic way of yours? Is it something you're Mm -hmm. good with? Do you like it? Do you wish you could ease up? What do we do Um, with you? I don't know. I don't mind it, to be honest, Mm -hmm. Uh, because I don't think Jax and I are going to have kids. So if I were, like, starting a family... Does she know? Yes, she knows. Or are you just sharing this with me? (laughs) Tig, don't tell her. (laughs) Is she still teaching? Uh, no, she stopped with the pandemic. Okay. It was She's a bit mm-hmm. of a germaphobe, so mm-hmm. that was a lot for her. And she was just worn down. She'd been teaching for 12 years. And- Wait, she's a, the pandemic made her concerned about germs not actually working with children? Exactly. She used to wear gloves back in the day when she first started. <laughs> when, <laughs> and people were like, you're not going to be able to avoid germs working with kids. But she had a sign on her neck that said, don't touch me. Yeah. She was the teacher that was like scrubbing down her entire classroom, <laughs> vacuuming the carpet, scrubbing the desk down like every day. Are you sure she wasn't really a janitor and told you that she taught in there? She might have been. <laughs> 
She just dresses really nice. Yeah. <laughs> and then she gets in her overalls and she puts her hair in a ponytail and just starts scrubbing away. I mean, stranger things have happened. Yeah. And you guys have been married, what, a year? Yeah, we've been together six and a half years mm-hmm. and married one. Is there any advice you have for um, married folk? I mean... To keep a relationship fresh for a year? <laughs> I mean, you know, one year, how have we done it? So much advice. Uh, We laugh a lot. Yeah. Even when we're like annoyed at each other or upset, one of us will make the other person laugh, you know, within an hour or so. You wait an hour? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes (laughs) she just needs to cool off. (laughs) Well, you know, lesbians like to talk things to the freaking ground mm-hmm. and i used to do that with her and uh i learned i just needed to give her a minute and yeah. so once i did that then we like come back and like someone makes a joke and we move on and it's fine yeah someone said to me early on in our relationship do you want to be right or do you want to be happy what did you choose i want to be right 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 <laughs> And you have been. I have been. 10 out of 10 times. <laughs> and you remind her of that, too. Yeah. Never which wrong. keeps the love alive. <laughs> a lot of see, I told you. Yeah, there's a lot of see, I told you. Good and, for you, Fortune. And bringing up old grudges. <laughs> Not letting anything go. <laughs> Getting everybody on your side. Yeah, I actually go on podcasts. Uh-huh. Tell them specific stories about how she's wrong. Good. You got to keep the love alive. Yeah. Uh-huh. Have people call in. We all pile on. Strangers chime in. It's a pretty healthy relationship. <laughs> That's good. That's really good advice. Thank you. Are you ready to give advice to the audience? Tig. Yeah. Are you kidding me? No, I was being very serious. I can't wait to give advice. If anyone's qualified to give advice, it's you and me. Together. 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 (laughs) All right. Well, Fortune. Tig. You grew up in North Carolina, correct? Yep. This first listener is from there. Whoa. Christine from Chapel Hill writes, Hi, I have a very cute little dog. Objectively. Mm. Often, I'm on a walk, and a dog walker says, that's such a cute little dog. But they have an, objectively, ugly dog. Oh. I live in North Carolina, and people are crazy polite here. That's true. How should I respond? Thanks. First of all, this is one of the hardest issues anyone has ever written in about. (laughs) These are some hard-hitting questions. Christine... I feel like this is an unwritten rule. If you wouldn't say it about a baby, don't (laughs) say it about a dog (laughs) or a cat. You know what I mean? Uh Uh-huh. I kind of don't understand. Fortune, help me. Being from North Carolina, I get what she's saying. North Carolinians do lie, Mm -hmm. but they lie to make you feel better. Mm -hmm. So they go... Oh, my God, I love that sweater. But they secretly probably hate that sweater. Wait, do you hate my advice sweater that I wear every day? What? Do you hate my sweater? Hmm? Fortune, please. Dig. I, I, lo- I love your sweater. Oh, good. I was starting to think maybe you didn't. 
No, I do love your sweater. I love you too. But my point is <laughs> that North Carolinians, it's that whole bless their heart thing. Uh-huh. It's like they're, they're saying bless their heart. That seems like it's a good thing, but they're going like, Oh, they don't know any better. Mm-hmm. That choice they made is terrible. Yes. So that's the North Carolina mentality. So she kind of has to be like, thank you. Your dog is so ad- adorable. Well, I feel like it's kind of truly like a baby. I, I don't think mm-hmm. it's possible to think a baby or a child is ugly. Yeah. If somebody's I mean, got like, hey, don't don't waver on this. Oh, okay. If you see a funny looking animal or child, yeah. They're not ugly. They're adorable. There's something cute about their ugliness. Yes. yes, yes. <laughs> don't call the baby ugly, Fortune. <laughs> there have been a couple babies where I've gone, ooh. But, okay. You know, it's best that you not have children. (laughs) Thank you. I'm coming around to your way of thinking. All right. I'm glad I'm on the right track. What if you and Jax popped out an ugly baby? stinker. That could happen. That's why I don't want any child to have my genes. (laughs) That's why you're not having children? Yeah. It stops with me. Yes. We can't have anybody out there looking like a fortune. That's right. Yes, we have to stop that. Please stop that. So Please stop that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I stand by there is no unattractive animal or child. Mm-hmm. Once somebody turns 18, you can have your opinions. Rip away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Filter removed. I don't think it's too much of a stretch to call the other person's dog cute. You can even just say, oh, and look at your puppy. Yeah. You don't even have to say what. You have to just be like, oh, and look at yours. You can be like, look at your puppy walking with that leash. Yeah. Being a dog. Just strutting down the street, doing its dog thing. And it sounds like a compliment. I think we're agreeing that you can lie or evade the truth Mm -hmm. when honesty isn't in someone's best interest yeah when it makes a person feel better yeah just no need to ruin their day by saying oh i wish your dog were cute as cute as mine oh why does your dog look like that yeah what does that get you nothing nothing not a thing oh we're good at this yeah you go yeah yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) christine you're treating these dogs like they're on a catwalk just be like, look, there's a dog. It's cute. Fortune, it's time to take a break. Okay. But we'll be back with more questions and answers. Fortune, here's one that's asking us to choose between passion and compassion. Ooh. Oriel writes, Hi, Tig. With my first love, I felt the best and the worst I've ever felt. The relationship was clumsy and we'd hurt each other a lot by the time it ended. 
With my current girlfriend, I feel steady, happy, and safe, but sometimes I wonder if the relationship is not as good if I'm settling because I've never felt passion for her like I did for my first love. As much as it hurts sometimes, I miss those big feelings. I miss having a love that felt so huge. Is this kind of companionate love that I have with my current girlfriend just what it means to be an adult in a relationship? Am I wrong or immature for being worried that I don't really love her because I don't feel the same kind of love I used to? Wow. Deep. Yeah. I hope the current girlfriend doesn't listen to this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, poor current girlfriend. The companionate. Yeah. (laughs) Do you have any immediate thoughts? I mean, I think that that kind of like big passion, high ups, low lows is not the healthiest of relationships, in my opinion. Yeah. I think that's why they stick out is because... You felt so much being pushed and pulled and the unsteadiness and Mm -hmm. never really knowing if there's going to be any solid future can leave this lasting impression and make you think that that struggle is Mm -hmm. actually passion. Right. And I don't know. I feel like it's not a special meaning. Right. This great love. Mm-hmm. You're like chasing something. Right. Those big feelings don't necessarily mean that they're good. I feel like they just mean they're intense. They were just big. Yeah. And that's kind right. of all that it was. And if you're sitting around going, I don't know if this is the person, there's probably there's an issue within something missing. Yeah. If I was walking around thinking, I don't know about this whole situation. Mm-hmm. If that was like something that was really coming up for me all the time, then I would... You'd want to listen to that. I'd be a little concerned. Right. And that's beyond just having the typical ups and downs in a relationship and mm-hmm. the bumps that you go through. That feeling of, am I supposed to be with this person? Not like, oh, we're having a rough time right now. Right. Is different. I mean, I definitely had the, you know, some of those relationships with the big, mm-hmm. all the big things. Yeah. But like, I'm so grateful to not be in those now. <laughs> yeah. It's like one of those things that it's just exhausting. At some point, you just go, I can't do this Mm-mm. anymore. This is not how it's supposed to be. No. And when I met Jax, it was so much easier. There were like hard times, but it was never like, the spectrum was never like all over the place. Right. It was just easy and steady. Yeah. To me, that was like such a blessing. I yeah. could like breathe. But I always knew she was the one and I wanted to marry her. Yeah. And it was never like, is this because we're not having these huge fights? Right, right. Or like these crazy, you know, movie like experiences. Does that mean this is the wrong relationship? It was just like, no, this is a healthy adult relationship that's. I'm not having to, like, convince her to Mm -hmm. love me every week. (laughs) (laughs) Also, there's a mention of the first love. Oh, yeah. And I think there's also something to that. Mm -hmm. Because it's the first time you experienced intense feelings. Right. And that sticks with you. Yeah, that definitely Mm -hmm. can leave an imprint. Yeah. I say you maybe haven't found your match with this person. Because I feel like you're saying about Jax, 
you knew you wanted to be mm-hmm. with her. And, and that was something I couldn't comprehend before I met Stephanie, when people mm-hmm. would say, oh, yeah, we met and I just knew. And I was like, yeah. how did you know? Like, what, what was right. that? And, it, and it's that, <laughs> the questioning. Yeah, I used to ask too. From somebody that there's no way to know until you experience it. And I always tell people that it's similar to having a child. You can't possibly understand what that mm-hmm. feels like. Nobody can describe it to you. You can think you've understood. And then you fall in love. And then you have a kid. And then you understand, oh, right, right. this <laughs> is what it feels like. You're mm-hmm. not walking around thinking, this doesn't quite feel right. This doesn't quite feel right. Yeah. I don't know if this is the person. Yeah, because when you know you're with the right person, there's no question of like, are we going to break up? Mm-hmm. So there's security in that. Like, I'm never worried when Jax and I fight that, like, that's the end. Yeah. Whereas if I were not as sure about her, I think I would have more insecurities there. Right. I mean, it's hard to say if who she's with is the right person, because it could just be more of, like, she's just comparing the two things. Mm-hmm. But I can answer more confidently that the big ups and downs is more of a short-lived mm-hmm. type of passion that's harder to maintain in the long run. So as much as you think about that and it sticks with you, it's not the goal, I don't think, in a long-term relationship. Fortune, I have to say I agree. Look at that, Tig. Look at that. Are we on, on the, the same, same page? page? We are. Ah! We said it at the same time. <laughs> Ooh, okay. Woo. Well, Oriole, that's how we feel about it. Mm-hmm. We're going to take a quick break to answer a question that came in our therapy etiquette inbox. This segment is where we answer those awkward questions we all have as people getting the professional help we need and deserve and is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Today's question comes from Andrew in Dallas, Texas. If I've had trauma, what do I do to make myself comfortable enough to share very personal details with my therapist? I want the help, but when I get in my sessions, I find myself hesitant to share out of embarrassment and feeling too vulnerable to bring up things that I feel ashamed about from my past. Plus, I know I have a wild amount of trust issues from past relationships, so it's hard to let my guard down. What do I do to make myself comfortable enough to really share? Andrew, that is tough. I think you should consider that, first of all, you were brave enough to ask this question to me, Tig, and all my listeners. And my shows even don't ask Tig. So that's like doubly brave. Um And you were clear enough to be able to say exactly why you feel hesitant and embarrassed opening up. I think you might take your entire message to me and turn around and share it the next time you get to the therapist's office. Just say very clearly, I want help, but I have trouble feeling vulnerable and I have feelings of shame and trust issues and just say that it makes it hard for you to truly get and experience the help that you signed up for. 
I think a good therapist will not be surprised that you react this way. In fact, their training and experience is designed to help them build trust with you. So you just have to make that first move and reach out to them. And it always goes back to communication. And and once you've made that clear, you know this about yourself. So this is all very helpful. And don't forget that just by being self-aware, you're you're doing great. Working through tough and painful stuff isn't going to happen overnight, but you've already started the process. I hope that's been helpful, or at least somewhat reassuring. We want to hear from you, listeners. We want to hear from you. Send us your therapy etiquette-related questions at don'tasktig.org. Thanks to our sponsor, BetterHelp. Now let's get back to our conversation with Fortune Feimster. This final question comes to us from the confession booth. Welcome to the confession booth. Ooh. Today's confession was sent in by a listener who calls herself Guilty Girl. (gasps) Well, she's really um, incriminating herself (laughs) already. (laughs) And you know what? I have a gavel right here. (laughs) Yep. I watched that clip with you and Sarah Paulson. Was that the thing from that? This is the gavel from me and that Sarah. That made me cry laughing for <laughs> <laughs> that entire clip. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> me, too. It's so ridiculous. <sighs> Our entire relationship is her attacking me, but whatever. Um, <laughs> but whatever. Um, We're not here to give you advice. Okay. <laughs> <sighs> Guilty girl. Guilty girl. The gavel has been struck. Yes, the gavel has been gaveled. Guilty girl writes, here's my predicament. A huge Amazon box was delivered to my house last week. The address is my address, but the name on the box is not me. After much debate among family members, I opened it. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't have. It contained lots, and I mean lots, of designer label, very expensive clothes, shoes, and bags. Whoa. None of the clothes are my size. The bad karma is everywhere now. What can I do to rectify this mess? Oh, wow. I thought she was gonna, it was going to be like a large bag of dog food, and it's like <laughs> just all this designer stuff. <laughs> well, and so... The issue she just opened it and it's a federal offense so you open something and she said none of it fits her so what is the issue she just opened a box i think she, she tried on all the dresses <laughs> <laughs> if it is addressed to you uh-huh i don't know if that's an offense right it's just the wrong stuff and the wrong sizes right yeah none of the clothes are my size so pack it back up and <laughs> ship it off yeah, I feel like she should just call Amazon and be like, I opened a package. I didn't realize it wasn't for me. I mean, again. <laughs> what I'm finding interesting is that she and her entire family, and I don't mean to be yeah. totally judgmental here, mm-hmm. but if you and your entire family <laughs> is sitting around. <laughs> Gather around, everyone. <laughs> and, and you're saying, this is the right address 
but to the wrong person. Family, what should I do? Yeah, and everybody yeah. was like, yes, open it. Do you think that they voted secretly and put it in a hat? There's no way for me to know that, Fortune. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? I'm trying to imagine a scenario where your entire family gathers around. Uh-huh. You're all staring at this box on the table. Mm-hmm. She's like, what do I do? And everyone's pleading their case. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of impassioned speeches on both sides, and the, and she was like... I mean, you know, it's it seems like it's really split down the middle. I think we have to take it to a vote. But like <laughs> angers have come up. People are upset. So she's like, all right, we're going to do it by paper vote. Uh-huh. One for yes, two for no. Everyone yeah. marks their answer, puts it in a hat. That's probably what happened. I'm guessing they probably just raised a hand. Okay. Should we... should i open this yes or no and they are like raise the hand yes and do you think the karma would be equally as bad if it if she opened it and it was all old navy clothes um i think the karma's worse when it's designer do you think she'd have guilt or she would just be like this is all old navy yeah, if it was Old Navy, it would have already been back on the truck to the Amazon headquarters. Yeah. She's on eBay right now trying to distinguish how much uh, these things cost resale. That is so funny to me that, like, all of this showed up in the wrong size and that everything <laughs> she put on, she's like, nope, nope, nope. Yeah. I think she should ask around if there are any neighbors with that name. And if they mind, Did she wore all the clothes. Everything's out of their packages and mm-hmm. wrinkled now. <laughs> That's when you like at night sneak over to the house, drop the package on the front porch, hope that they don't have a ring camera. I was going to say, and then the next day find yourself <laughs> on the ring app that the whole neighborhood's sharing. <laughs> They're like, be on the lookout for this package stealer, <laughs> <laughs> this package deliverer. Well, I think she's feeling so guilty that she wrote Guilty Girl in her thing that I think internally she would feel better if she just called Amazon, told him that she got the package. Maybe just be like, look, I'm a drunk. (laughs) A box came to my house. I opened it up. I tried on all the clothes. I woke up the next day in a pile of designer clothes that didn't fit me. (laughs) A bunch of Gucci outfits. With a bunch of Gucci trash on me. (laughs) I mean, it's it's very different than just keeping, you know, a neighbor's New Yorker magazine that right. ends up at your house. Um, but yeah. it does feel like you should send it back. I think she has to call Amazon and tell them what happened. That she's a drunk. Yeah, and that her family <laughs> took a vote by paper or hands. I just love the idea of your whole family weighing in. My my family was like, why are, why do you want our opinion on this? And deciding to do the wrong thing. <laughs> that an entire family is like, They're like open it open up. It, open it. <laughs> just open it already. Oh. I say call Amazon. Say you got a package delivered to you with your address, someone else's name, and you didn't order the stuff and see what they say. All right. Fortune, should we assign some form of penance to Guilty Girl? We should, yeah. You have that gavel. You should use it. Mm-hmm. May she um, be ribbed by Para- <laughs> Parasultan. Sarah Paul. 
Parasolson. Parasolson, may you be ribbed. be ribbed. May you be ribbed by Parasolson for your entire life. That's a terrible penance. May the packages you receive from now on by mistake be from Old Navy. Ooh. <laughs> that, is, that is low. <laughs> low blow, Feemster. My apologies. Okay, guilty girl. This is what needs to happen to atone for your sins. Mm-hmm. And Fortune, it's time for our final segment. All right, Tig. Called Name That Thing. Name That Thing. On Name That Thing, people ask us for help naming things. Seth Rogen helped me name a board game, and here we are, Sarah Paulson helped me name a car. Oh. The only catch is that the name is binding. Are you ready for the thing you have to name? Mm-hmm. Fifi LaRue writes, Hi, Tig. I know you have helped other people name things, so I'm asking for help naming the two main characters in my first short story. Ooh. A man and a woman in their mid-20s Ethnicity is undetermined so far. Mm-hmm. It takes place in North America between 2000 and 2005. Okay. Thank you. Oh, that's that's it. Okay. Yeah, that's that's all we have. A girlfriend of mine years ago, mm-hmm. she was from North Carolina, from Cherokee. Oh, yeah. And um a local in town mm-hmm. was named Peggy Big Meat. <laughs> Peggy Big Meat? Yeah, Peggy Big Meat. <laughs> what do you say we name one person in this story, Peggy Big Meat? I like that, Peggy Big Meat. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a good name, is it not? Peggy Big Meat? Peggy Big Meat is a good name. I don't know that I'd want that name. No, <laughs> but it's still, if somebody introduces themselves as, hello, I'm Peggy Big Meat, you take notice. Mm-hmm. That person in flying under the radar. What if the, so we need a male name, but mm-hmm. I mean, do you think she would take offense to naming him Harry Cooter? H-A-R-R-Y? And Cooter's with a K. That's the twist. <laughs> I'm thinking that name because there's a street called Barry Cooter back in North Carolina. How about? <laughs> okay, fine. Barry Cooter. <laughs> Boy, you really gave up easily. Like your hands were tied. You're like, okay, fine, Barry. Okay, fine. No, okay, back to Harry then. Harry. Should it be Harry and Barry Cooter? Harry and Barry Cooter. Yeah, because there could be a... Twins. A a brother. Wait, are these siblings? Is it a girl and a guy? It's almost like you don't listen. You're like, what are, what are these, porcupines? What What's are happening? they? They're how old? <laughs> Takes um, place in what continent? <laughs> okay, it's two main characters, uh-huh. a man and a woman in their mid-20s. Ethnicity is undetermined so far. Mm. It takes place in North America between 2000 and 2005. Mm-hmm. Is it Harry and Barry Cooter? Uh-huh. They could be married or siblings. Do you think Cooter is Italian? Cooterici. <laughs> Cooterici. Cooterici. And then when they got to Staten Island, they took off the Ichi. Ichi. 
cooter itchy, cooter itchy. <laughs> oh, sorry, my silly brain today. Okay, so are we going with Peggy Big Meat and Harry Kuderichi? I, yeah, I think Peggy Big Meat and Harry Kuderichi. Yeah, it seems yeah. like the obvious choices. <laughs> wow, we should write more movies. I say we stop here. <laughs> Quit while what we're do you mean ahead. We should write more movies. It's not like we're a, a writing team. No, but we, you and I, separately write movies. Uh huh. <laughs> and <laughs> and you're saying we should continue to do. We that. should continue on. <laughs> Harry Kuderichi. Yeah. Hey, hey, Harry Kuderichi. Hey, what's up, Kuderichi? <laughs> I'm so curious if that name exists. Kuderichi. Fortune. Tang. It's all we have time for. We really killed it. We did. And now you can get back to your ridiculous life. That workaholic life I live. Fortune, do you have anything that you would like to promote? I mean, sure. I'm on this huge... And I mean huge just that there's a lot of dates. I'm on tour. I have six months of shows. Mm -hmm. My website's fortunefemster.com to see if I'm coming to a city near you. Uh, I'm on the second season of Keenan that's airing on NBC. Mm -hmm. And then there's a fun movie. I play a mom on this movie on Hulu called Sex Appeal. Nice. My first mom role. That's awesome. And let's not be shy about the L Word reruns. Guys... First season of the L Word reboot. If you blink, you might miss me, but I am there. Yes, you are. Well, thank you so much for doing the show, Fortune. Um, Thanks for having me, Tig. And uh, yes, do go see Fortune. She is hilarious. I truly kicked back and watched you just like, this is a star right here. This one, baby. What? Yeah, I discovered you right there in St. Paul. Twenty years after you started. Oh man, um, you really gave me my big break. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, I will hope to see you soon. All right, buddy. Thank you again. Bye. Of course. Thank you. <laughs> and here is another friendly reminder that you can see me live and also in person on my tour called Hello Again. For tickets, go to tignotaro.com. What on earth are you waiting for? Get your tickets right now. And if your city isn't there, check back again at tignotaro.com because likely I'm adding a city near you. Tig is hosted by me, Tig Notaro. It's produced by Thomas Willette, Shana Deloria, and Ryan Lore. Our executive producer and editor is Beth Perlman. Engineering and sound mixing by Johnny Vince Evans and Eric Romani. 
Digital production by James Napoli. Talent booking by Marianne Ways. Production support from Pizza Shark and Dan Latou. Our theme music is Friend and Tig by Edie Burkell and Kyle Crusham. And Listen to Your Heart by Edie Burkell. Special thanks to Hunter Seidman. APM Studios executives in charge are Lily Kim, Alex Shaffert, and Joanne Griffith. Concept developed by Tracy Mumford. Our executive consultant is Dean Capello and Gobsmack Studios. You can always ask for advice at don'tasktig.org. Just write in with your problem or send us a voice memo. Remember to follow us on social media at Don't Ask Tig. Don't Ask Tig is a production of American Public Media. And as always, thanks, Dana, and I'll tell Becky. Hi, I'm stand-up comedian and sex symbol Tig Notaro. And I'm actor and writer Cheryl Hines. Before Cheryl and I got into the big business of podcasting together, (laughs) we were just simply friends. And we're still friends. But now we talk about a different documentary every week on our podcast, Tig and Cheryl, True Story. So whether you love documentaries or just want to hear us slowly lose our minds, check out Tig and Cheryl, True Story, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, cool.